Welcome to Hanks for the Memories. You've got a friend in us. This is episode 50, Ithaca, from 2015, directed by Meg Ryan. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski, and this is the elusive fourth Hanks Meg Ryan movie that no one knows about, and I guess kind of for good reason. Yeah, because it's sort of not the Hanks Meg Ryan movie we were expecting. It is not the fourth hidden rom-com. I guess at one point in this, because they do play husband and wife, I guess at one point in their life it would have been a rom-com, although very quickly in this movie we find out that Hanks is a ghost. Hanks is not alive anymore. What a way to begin. So Mike, if people have not seen Ithaca, which is streaming for free on Stars if you have Stars. Mike, please give a quick plot summary good luck i guess maybe on ithaca so the movie ithaca takes place in ithaca california during world war ii right as america is getting involved it is about homer a 14 year old boy who works for the local telegraph and he is a delivery boy so he basically goes around the whole movie letting people know that their son has died in world war ii sort of like the beginning of saving private ryan stretched out into like an entire movie his mother is meg ryan his father is the ghost of farmer hanks he also has an older brother who has joined the army who is writing him letters throughout the entire movie could just be one long letter Not too sure. We'll find out. We learn about life in town as people are away at war and how it's affecting everybody, and everyone's kind of going nuts. The guy who Homer works for, he drinks a lot. The actual old man telegrapher who looks like David Lynch dies of drinking too much, it seems. There's a whole lot else not really going on until the very end when Joey called it and Homer has to deliver the news that his own brother has died in war and has to deliver that news to his mother. And that is basically the end of the movie. And so as soon as he delivers the first telegram that says, you know, your son has died at war, I was like, oh, there's only one way that this movie ends. Because this movie is based on a book from, I think, 1943, maybe? I think it had been made into some other movie, too. I guess the story is kind of... I don't want to say basic in a bad way, but sort of a basic story, just like, I think the best way to describe it is kind of like, it's a coming-of-age story in World War II, but unlike other movies that are like, coming-of-age at war, it's kind of like, at home and like, the other jobs that people had to do. Because this kid keeps saying he's 16, but he's actually 14, but he's still, I guess, you know, they just need help, right? And the kid is good at what he does, so they hire him or whatever. And I'm like, oh, there's only one way this movie ends, which is by him telling Meg Ryan that his son, or that his brother, or her son, has been killed at war. And... Yeah, like an hour 15 or hour 20 in, that happens. Also, what you did not really mention is that the David Lynch-looking guy who is typing the telegraphs out dies while writing the telegram to his family. So it's like this like double double whammy. It's like, oh no. Right, right. Has, I guess he has a heart attack or something while he finds out the news for himself. But you're right, all, all things are bleak at the end of this one yeah you know it's really weird like um there's a story here i just feel like it's really unfocused like it meg ryan's not a bad director by any means but i'm not sure if this was the one to sort of go terrence malick on like her first as far as i am as far as i'm aware like she has not directed that often and i don't know if this is just you know her style but it's very dreamlike This is her debut, so I don't know if she's done a lot since then, but this is her directorial debut. I mean, I was just kind of like, why this story? Why this material? All this? The book must have, you know, meant something to her and everything. And it's not bad by any means, but it's just like there's a story to be told that's not being told. Like, it just feels really unfocused and pretty random. So I have a little bit of background there, then I have a question for you. So the the movie's based on the book The Human Comedy by William Saroyan, S-A-R-O-Y-A-N, I don't know how to pronounce that, but she read it while focusing on ways to cope with her divorce from husband Dennis Quaid, and Dennis Quaid, their son Jack Quaid, is in this movie. He is the son that dies at war, am I correct? That is right. Which is crazy. You know, she 
hires her son and kills him off at war. So sorry, sorry, kid. But, you know, <laughs> thank you for your service. I think it just, it seems like while she was dealing with this tremendous stress error in her life and, you know, ending her marriage and whatever, like, the, she connected with this book, she connected with the story. Like, when I first read that, because there's not a lot of trivia about this on IMDb, and I was like, I wonder if it's about, like, a husband and wife, but it's not really, it's just the husband is gone and, you know, dealing with uh, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, but I was yeah. wondering if that was going to be the angle this takes, but no, it's just, you know, I guess it might just be a story that she connected with, and she's been around long enough that, I think this is also produced by Playtone, so, you know, she's got the Hanks connection there, so, you know, she is has enough clout to get a movie made that she wants to have made and so you know good for her my question for you though unless you want to respond to that my question for you is who is this movie about like who's the main character in this movie because i have no idea yeah that sort of goes along with i guess my reply to what you just said as well is that you know i i thought it was going to be about her son her real life son you know um and then it turns out to be about the boy homer and then i'm texting you like what's going on it's it's become about the hamish link letter character i'm like i'm not upset i love this guy from legion and everything but but it's his movie now and then it becomes like the daughter's movie i i don't think it's very successful but it's trying to just show like the story of the town i think we've tried to kind of touch on this not very often but it's come up where it's like oh it's not so much a movie about one or two people but so much about the community and how it's being affected by like a shared event like everyone's trying to cope with the same thing and it's all coming out in radically different ways now i don't know if that's what it's going for i feels like that's what it's going for but it also doesn't feel quite successful in achieving that uh it comes across more like a character study while we're with the certain people and then we kind of that's all we learn and we go off and, and like spend time with someone else and, and kind of just keep skipping along like that. And I think that's just part of the detriment of the movie. That uh... Yeah, and like it's disappointing because like I think that any of these characters could have been the main character and I think a lot of them are interesting enough. So this movie was written by Eric Yenderson. He adapted the Saroyan novel. So this guy wrote the movie Otis? I've seen that cover. What is Otis? Is this a zombie movie? Sounds familiar. After being captured and tortured by the psychopath Otis, teen cheerleader Riley Lawson escapes and informs her parents. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So I've seen, I've seen that cover before. Like, I think in adaptation, we've talked a lot. We haven't really had a lot of adaptations recently, I don't think. At least not a lot that haven't been successful. I mean, obviously, Cloud Atlas was wildly successful. I think what you have to do and why maybe Cloud Atlas worked is, like, you kind of have to make the story your own. He maybe, again, this is me having no idea really what the novel's about or having read the novel or whatever, but I feel like they they probably wanted to play it too close to true and cover everybody's story. And I feel like in a 90-minute movie, which again, bless you for making a 90-minute movie, there's just too much going on. I feel if we had focused on two or three of the ostensibly like six or seven characters maybe that this movie is kind of about, or maybe just one, if you, if you want to narrow it down, like one or two of the like three or four, I don't know, you know, it just, we don't get enough of anybody to know, A, who the movie's actually about, like who we are supposed to care the most about, and then B, really understand not how people are connected but like just anything deeper yeah i agree because like we don't really get time to sit with what we know for the most part like i would love to if this movie was just sort of about the family at home that would be a really nice thing and like the absence of hanks and how that like kind of affects everyone i i would like if it was just about the three people at the telegraph office the whole time like you could cut out a lot of the stuff with the older brother for sort of like play it as you're supposed to forget about him and then 
then whoa, he comes back at the end in in the telegram. You know, now that I know that it's a novel, it just comes across like like too faithful without even. Yeah. And I know that sounds weird because like I've not read it, but like having watched enough movies, you sort of get a feeling where it's like mm, it's too literal. Like there's just something not really working, and it's too bad because like you're saying, like this could be about any of these people specifically. And Meg Ryan does do a really good job of creating these characters while they're here and while we have time with them. And it's just like kind of a pity that we don't get to spend more time with, you know, select few for the entire film. I think it'd be much stronger if she sort of, or if if the writer kind of just made it, like you said, more their own. Right, because like, I don't think this is bad. I don't think it's good, but I also don't really think that it's like a movie. Like, I don't think it's a story. I think it's just like a collection of things that happen while a guy's off to war, kind of. Yeah, like like I said about Malik, like I wasn't really, I wasn't lying or joking. Like it feels like a tone poem. Like it feels very loose and, and sort of drifty and, and with the voiceover, it's very poetic at times and things. And, and so it's just unfortunate that uh, for me, it just didn't all sort of like fit together. So we have Hanks in here at least twice, if not more than twice. We have him very early on where she's, he's like waving to her from the porch and then like the camera cuts and like he's not there. It's like, okay, so I think that was something that affected that she did. I don't think it's hard to do it right, but we've seen movies screwed up before. But like, is he actually dead? But like, she quickly like establishes with the cut, with the edit, whatever, that he's not there anymore, right? Like, he's just waving at her. She looks back or whatever, and he's gone. And I think that in a, in a lesser movie, you'd be like, did he go, did he go inside? Like, where where Hanks go? Like, he's he's just not there. So it's like, okay, cool. And then I think maybe he shows up one other time, and then in the middle of the night, the main kid wakes up like in a fright, right? And we're led to believe, or you know, Hanks says when he comes back as Ghost Dad in the middle of the night that that's probably the moment where Jack Quaid was killed overseas. And he's like, that's, you know, the moment where they all felt it or whatever. And I don't remember exactly the line he has, but he basically just says, you know, that was it. Like, it's, you know, the sun. And I think that it's effective. I don't know that we need it, but again, watching this movie kind of explicitly for him, I was glad that he was back kind of in minimal ways. Like, I think that he worked in the ways that he was in there. Uh, I don't know, that, again, that we needed him at all. I think maybe it might have been a little bit cheap to just have him waving on the porch and that's it. I liked hearing them talk. Like, my, my favorite part might be, aside from the Hamish stuff, because I think that his, like he's just, like, interesting, like, just, I'm going on a date now. Like, and that, okay. But, like, I think them, for the podcast, talking about, like, Hanks's goodness, how it's somehow still with the family. They're going around, they're showing, like, this is early on in the movie, but they're showing the different children and, like, how Hanks is, like, sort of, he continues to live through them, which I think is kind of cool. And, like, just the way that the older brother is writing the letter, the younger brother just basically being like, you know, you're the man in the house now, but, like, dad's still kind of around. Like, he's in you, he's in your brother, whatever. Like, he's still around, like, his goodness, so just kind of just keep that in mind. And I thought that was a kind of a nice, thoughtful touch that probably worked really well in the novel, too, that I think is a nice way to say, like, hey, Hanks, as America's dad, is still the family's dad, even though he's not here, he's still, like, his presence is still felt. And I felt like for our podcast and for, you know, what we were watching, if I had to pick a favorite moment other than just just like the vague Hamish stuff, like I think that might be my favorite moment because I think that worked really well. Yeah, you know, I, t- I got to agree because like the first time I saw Hanks, like I, I think I think Meg Ryan's got a great understanding of the visual language because you're right. Like I, I knew immediately like he was dead that right? like in a cut like that he didn't go inside you know what I'm saying like the, like the movie isn't confusing in that way and I think that that's a part of its success the Hanks character is really interesting because I thought from that first scene that I wasn't going to like how he was utilized and then by the second scene I was like oh no this is like perfect this is like what I feel we talk about a lot where sort of Keanu became just sort of like another 
name in the movie but not the marquee you know like right. he's doing a smaller role it's having a bigger effect it's not really on or against type either it just kind of is it's just a role you know it almost feels more like a favor and that's fine too and then on the other hand you could totally eliminate his presence altogether and just make him talking about him. but i'm really glad that he's here doing this small little thing it shows that he cares about the material that he th- feels like what he's doing is important and i would like to see more stuff like this from him where he's just sort of one of the not background characters but just you know one of just the more working actors in the movie and and not really uh carrying it on his shoulders all the time because like looking at what we have coming up the eight movies that we still have left it's hank's a star hank's as star hank's as star hank's as kind of supporting actor in the circle in your in your movie the circle which we're getting to soon. <laughs> Uh, Hanks as kind of like lead of the ensemble in the post. Like, I don't remember exactly explicitly who that movie's about, but I think it's more of like a, a group effort, but I think he is the lead in that. And then Hanks as, again, lead in the ensemble in Toy Story 4. Hanks is supporting actor in Miss Rogers, and then uh, Hanks presumably as lead in Greyhound. So I think we're kind of getting it, but I think that for the most part, he's still doing a cage, albeit to a totally different degree, like in terms of like <laughs> wildly different clout and recognition, that he is still kind of like, oh no, I'm still going to be the star of movies. And like, when I'm not, I'm still, like, the lead of the ensemble at worst. Like, I think that there's very few movies, like, you know, The Circle and, like, where he kind of plays, like, a mentory role, and then, you know, Mr. Rogers, where, like, he's he's the titular character. No, he, I mean, like, it's not, he's not actually in the title, but, like, it's basically, like, it's a Mr. Rogers movie, just not about him, so he's still, he's not really receding to the background, but I agree that the less we have of him in this movie, I think, again, even though we don't love the movie, I think his portions work really well. I wonder sometimes, because he, his roles are sort of trending in that direction, like, Toy Story 4 they sort of like spoilies a little but like they pass the torch you know from like Woody to who had like the buzz, rest of the toys like, right? to buzz yeah like Woody split I, I feel like maybe he is like slowly but surely like stepping out of the spotlight to a degree and sometimes I wonder if that's just because like he's getting up in age and actors kind of want to bow out gracefully sometimes and they don't want to you know no offense to Sean Connery or anything but like you know he went out with like three big sort of like action bombs you know like the Avengers and League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and I think there was another one in there somewhere but it's kind of nice that he's got a sense of like I don't need to sort of not hog the spotlight but like i don't need to be what this movie's all about i can just be part of it and that's right that's nice as a viewer to, to see that come through so now on the flip side of the coin i don't know if i have a specific like I, there's nothing about this movie where i was just like oh my god that was terrible it's just i feel like my least favorite thing is just kind of a lack of focus which again i think as a director you could probably choose what to focus on but i do think that this is more of a script thing than a directorial thing but is there something about it that we haven't talked about least favorite moment of this movie like you said not so much like i totally agree i think the problems are on the page not on the screen i think meg ryan is really good director from what we can see in the way that like you know cage is a really good director or keanu is just from like their one movie that they've made like i just think it's really interesting that they've had like these little one-offs and they've all been pretty good for the most part i feel like there's too many characters like there's just a i don't want to say there's a better way to tell this story because i don't want to i don't know what exactly they're going for but i just wish maybe this was just focused more on one or two characters and that's all i can really say about it no i don't even wish there was more hanks in it you know what i mean like i feel like we got the perfect amount of that for what they needed here maybe more meg ryan maybe more of the youngest son he was very interesting the one the uh, little blonde boy like that was crazy like i wanted to see more of the actual family dynamic i guess and that's sort of what i'm coming down to for the express purposes of what we're doing here and watching this movie for Hanks, I think that, you know, we normally, 
who, who sort of joke about a lot that we watch movies the wrong way, right? Like we're we're not watching this as a movie; we're watching this as a Hanks movie. And like that, in in some ways, in some ways that helps us. Like in Rock of Ages, we're like, oh no, this is great. And we're just like, well, you're you're not really seeing the forest through the trees, but cool. Or like in other movies where it's like, oh no, like if you were watching it as a movie, it's actually a great movie, but just because Hanks is like not in it or whatever, like whatever. Any 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 kind of joke. we've had this conversation a lot. But I feel like being ten minutes in and being like, oh no, Hanks's daddy's a ghost. It was done early enough that I could be like, okay, cool, I'm just watching the movie. I think I think I would have been thrown like if he was in there a lot, like he comes back like, hey, you know, I'm like I'm just the mentor, and like every time that Meg Ryan's alone, like they have a conversation, like I'd be like, oh no, like I don't want that. But like early enough, I was just like, oh, oh, okay, yeah, like. I, I, I can just like sort of sit back and relax and watch this movie and I think that what could have been my least favorite part is kind of like not being lied to because nobody ever said this is a Tom Hanks movie like I think there's a reason nobody signed up for this movie like nobody talks about this movie what could have been my least favorite part is you know it was like a oh you can just hey this one's on us just relax for a little bit <laughs> yeah like I feel like we definitely like had this idea of what we wanted and uh, anytime that happens you're always blindsided by the truth and it's hard to accept and this this is one of those instances where it's like I can accept this like this is totally fine like I think other people would this is their totally their cup of tea you know like there's there's totally a genre out there sort of like this I feel where it's like these um, dreamy nostalgia sort yeah. of pastiche pieces you know and she and, and this one's not bad when it comes to that it's just I was it's just like a, it was a real hard adjustment <laughs> in, to sort of make for myself just to be like oh this isn't their fourth rom-com that takes place like in the present day with like their wacky best friends like no like this is going to be like more of a hard-hitting drama kind of thing and and once i could just get that in my head i was like yeah okay uh this this is just like totally fine for that yeah so now mike very important question for you is tom hanks in this movie america's dad i think even though he's not really in it a lot i think the lessons he's imparted in beauty and the boys sticks around and like the the line we talked about before he's still with them so i say even though he's not in the movie for more than like maybe a minute yes yeah, I agree. I had to go to Wikipedia at first to find out, you know, where the movie, which Ithaca this was, because uh, there's lots of them in America, but also how Hanks died. And it says that he died in war, in World War II. So I, it made me sort of think, like, maybe we did get this guy's story. He's, he seems like the kind of guy who he plays in Private Ryan. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that real sort of honest valued kind of person that he tried to instill in these kids and like this is the family that character kind of left behind like that type of family so uh you know with all that in my head it was even more of a yes so definitely now could tom cruise not that tom cruise really owes meg ryan a favor you know what i mean like i don't know that he would be in this movie but could tom cruise play the dad i think maybe yes oh actually oh before we go there i do want to say that we know that tom hanks died in the last like probably three or four years is that his his latest son is probably what four so you figure even if like he knocks up meg ryan the day before he leaves and then killed like immediately like he's not dead in more than five years so he's probably dead like in the last three or four years so i think the, the saving private ryan the captain in that movie like that comparison is apt i think that's probably a good spot nice so now tom cruise could tom cruise i don't see why not like you basically have like a one line be like it's your son and then like just stand there like i think like you could like no offense to you but like you could do it you know what i mean like not that, <laughs> not that she would hire you but yeah i think a lot of people could but but you know what tom cruise does well that i've been thinking about more and more lately he does solemn kind of like really mm. well or sorry or that kind of thing and i think like that would have worked well in the two or three shots that uh, that character's in in this movie i don't know i think he could garner a, an instant sympathy somehow for yeah for the audience so now the wood easy tom hanks awards i'm not going to go through any of them i feel like again nothing good or nothing bad right like it's just 
he, he doesn't die on screen. It's before. We can't even nominate that. Like, that would be the closest thing. Anything that you know that we nominate that we could... I don't even want to say, like, most wasted performance. Cause I think it's kind of great, right? Like, there, right. It, there's no award that we can nominate this for, I don't think. No, not really. And again, to go along with, like, best sort of, like, non-Hanks role, like, everything... Everybody feels like they got equal time in a weird way that you can't really pin the tail on that donkey. Like, <laughs> I want to give it to this person, but, like, then I'd have to give it to that person. So, I don't know. That's just how I feel. Yeah, and even like best ensemble, it's like no, not really, right? Because like, they don't really work together. It's all individual standalone things. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the more we talk about this, the more I just would love it to be just the family at home stuff, like a lot more of that kind of stuff. My final thought is that before you were saying like maybe just drop the older brother altogether and have him come back at the end, like they have stand-ins for the older brother, right? Like the kid sees other GIs around town about to go off to war. His brother's never really not in the movie. We don't need the constant voiceover. We don't need the constant everything. Like I just, again, maybe that's the whole, maybe the point of view of the book is from the older brother. I don't know. It's probably from the younger brother, I would guess, like the middle brother. But like, I don't know, man. It'd be great if the if it was from Ghost Hank's point of view. He's telling the story the whole time. He's like, they, they, don't, e- they don't even know I'm here, but yeah. I'm telling their story. Well, Mike, next week we have a hologram for the king. Do you know this movie? Have you seen this movie? I have not seen it, but I think this one has a reputation of being his first VOD film. Yes. I saw this one, so I will make a comparison that when we cover this next week, the latest Scott and Scott music podcast are you talking talking heads to my talking head? This movie starts off with a very, very cool montage sort of thing to Once in a Lifetime by Talking Heads, but then the rest of the movie is not that. So, like, I, I like the movie from what I remember. I'm not I'm not trying to scare you off, but, like, it starts off, like, from what I remember, super cool. Like, oh, this is weird and fun. And then it's like, oh, this is a wildly different movie. So I'm interested, because I think the first time I watched it, I was like, how does this factor in? And I don't remember that it does. So I'm interested to see it again the second time. Like a music video almost in the beginning of a movie that is not at all, like, stylized like that. So we'll find out. Sounds a little like I'm thinking of Cocktail meets Lord of War, where it's, like, two movies that started off on the... Yeah. This great energy that just nosedived into depression. <laughs> yeah. I also want to say here, I think it's another short one. I want to say it's like 90 minutes, which I think is a blessing at this point. But let's see here. 97 minutes. Oh, and it's directed by Tom Tickfer. That's right. who The third Cloud Atlas director. So he did this one. So. Oh, cool. Oh, good. That's good. Any other thoughts about Ithaca? One final thought. Uh, Meg Ryan, please direct another movie because you're a good director from what I can see. You know, directed circles around other movies I've seen directed by... You know, other people, like, I think she deserves another shot. So, definitely. Someone hire her again, because she can do it. For all things Hangs for the Memories, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, or at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, hanks at cageclub.me. Come back next week for the aforementioned hologram for The King by Tom Tickford. Check out all 50 episodes of this and all 45 or so of Cruise Club and all nearly 1,700 episodes of all of our shows at cageclub.me. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And we'll see you next time right here on Hanks for the Memories. Sugar Hill, Sugar Hill Mountain, where there's bubble gum and cigarette trees. Sugar Hill, Sugar Hill Mountain, feel the spring breeze and do what you please.